Oftentimes, in the midst of a life that doesn't work the way that we think it ought to, we don't see things from God's vantage point, what God sees, what God is doing. We're so focused on where we find ourselves that we forget that just like someone traveling through the woods where it's dark and it's dense, but there's literally something on the other side, but you have to get up on top of it to look down to be able to see. And God wants to change our perspective. When we find ourselves at a difficult juncture on life's road, it can be extremely difficult to see the problem from a wide perspective. We tend to focus on the complications the problem has created for us and rarely can see beyond it. Pastor Daniel encourages us in today's message to seek God for a different view. He knows the next steps, and with his help, we can begin to change our focus and gain a different and better perspective. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Four Sad Events. All right, open up in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, as we continue our study here. Through the book of Numbers, if you notice the title that popped up there on the introduction, it's called Four Sad Events, and I know you're all radically excited to hear Four Sad Events this evening, but it's the right title for it because legitimately, you're going to see four things that are sad, and it's a good reminder to us because oftentimes in God's story in our lives, it's not always rosy. It's not always peachy. Part of what God is doing in all of our lives will involve at some juncture things that are not desired, things that are not chosen, things that just happen. And I'm often reminded that oftentimes God's plans never run along lines with our plans. There's that kind of idea, I think, in our culture that if I believe in God, then everything's going to work out exactly the way I want it to, right? And it's kind of like, I have my three-year plan, and so God's into my three-year plan, and everything's going to work out perfectly. But then you start living your life, and you realize that God will use the hard things of our life to grow us up the most. I like to say, we never grow the most on the sunny days, We enjoy the sunny days for what they are, but the deep growth in our hearts almost always happen through the things that are the most challenging. And the key for us is to always say, God, will you give me a heart that will embrace the challenges and say, God, I don't want this, but as long as this is here, will you bear the fruit that you want to bear in my life? There's a reason for this. And that's where hope is found, isn't it? Hope is found in the reality that God will leverage everything to make us more like Jesus. But for many of us, every time something goes on that we don't like, we fight against it. We uh, throw a temper tantrum. I do that. You guys would never do that, right? It's like you throw a temper tantrum. You say, oh, the devil's got me. Well, no. I mean, sometimes, but no. Sometimes it's just the way life goes. 
And if you study plants and stuff, I was just reading an article about this, that winter is essential because it solidifies and strengthens the roots of a plant. It's a powerful idea, isn't it? We don't like winter because it's cold and nothing blossoms, but it's essential for a plant to go through a winter and have its roots strengthened. And in a lot of ways, the children of Israel in this section in the book of Numbers is going through the wilderness. That's what we call it, wilderness. Not only are they traveling in the wilderness, but they're also, spiritually speaking, in the wilderness. And so our four sad events, and I'll give them to you up front, is first we find out that Moses isn't going to be able to bring the people into the promised land. Moses is going to make a mistake that is going to keep him from bringing the children into the promised land. So Moses is going to, in effect, be told he's going to die without entering the promised land. Second, the children of Israel get into a skirmish with the Edomites. Now, when we get there, I'm going to remind you that the Edomites were the descendants of Esau, who was the twin brother of Jacob. So the Edomites... They were family, but not really acting like it. And so you have a family member who's supposed to be helpful, which isn't. And then we're going to see both the death of Aaron and the death of Miriam. So really what we end up with is out of Moses' family, his brother Aaron and his older sister Miriam, his older brother and older sister are both going to die in this chapter. And Moses is going to be told that he's going to die without experiencing the promised land. So those are the four sad events. So you have death within the family, death within the family, told he's not going to be able to see the promised land. He's going to die in the wilderness and a skirmish with the Edomites, their brothers. So without further ado, let us enter our four sad events. Look what it says in verse one of Numbers 20. Then the children of Israel... The whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, and so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron, and the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord, why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. And so Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Verse 7, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gathered the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. And so Moses took the rod, from before the Lord, as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered together the assembly before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And then Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Mirabah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. So we start with 
two of our sad stories. Notice first, we get kind of where they are. So the children of Israel, the whole congregation, they're in the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. Now, this was in an area that today they would call the Negev, which is the southern desert part of what is modern-day Israel. So if you look it on it, there's a desert area. It's called the Negev. And so there's somewhere there right adjacent to this place called Kadesh. And simply, at the end of verse 1, and Miriam died there and was buried there. So Miriam, we get one sentence. Now, some people who want to say that the Bible is sexist, they're going to say, oh, well, that's the way the Bible goes because why did Moses' sister, who was a prophetess, who saved Moses' life, why does she only get one sentence? Right? Now, listen, if you want to go in and you want to find anything in the Bible, whatever your motivations for finding it, you're going to find it. If you want to find fault, you're going to find it. And if you're looking for fruit, you're going to find it. And that's an important principle for life because if you're looking for people's failures, you're going to see them. And if you're looking for evidences of God's grace, you're going to see that too. But really what you see is determined by what you're looking for. And it's always important to remember that because it's amazing as I read different scholars on Numbers chapter 20, it was amazing the number of contemporary scholars who made a big deal over the lack of time that is devoted to the death of Miriam. Now what's interesting about that is if you were to look, because we realize that The Bible isn't a sexist book. You have to know that. It's not a sexist book. And how I know that is because every culture that has its foundation in the gospel of Jesus Christ, women have more rights than every culture that isn't. Jesus was the great leveler of people. There's not slave or free. There's not male or female. We're all get to be one in Christ. Right? So Jesus is the great democratizer of people. Right? But the Bible does also report this is what was going on. And what you'll find is you'll almost never in ancient literature find any reference to the death of any woman for any reason. So the fact that she's even mentioned is a powerful thing. But you also realize, if you've been studying with us through Exodus and now Numbers, that Miriam's role gets pulled back after she rebels against her brother Moses' authority before the Lord. We almost never hear about her after that until one sentence. Why? Because oftentimes the mistakes we make change everything. Now, I say that realizing that everyone's like, wait, hold on. I thought I'm forgiven for my mistakes. And you are. But there's certain mistakes that have a life that goes on after them. Like a great example, Reuben should have been the head of the 12 tribes of Israel because he was the oldest, but he made a mistake and each one made a mistake, but Judah didn't, the fourth in line. So you have to realize that certain mistakes that we make have consequences that go on into the future. And that's just an important reminder to us because God offers forgiveness, but we have to be careful of the real life, real time consequences for the decisions that we make. And so Miriam ends up taking a back seat in the story after this rebellion against Moses that we had seen before. So we find out that Miriam, now Moses' older sister, has died. Now, you guys know this who's been traveling with us in the book of Numbers, that right now in the book of Numbers, we're on the cusp of the second telling of the law because they're about ready to go into the promised land. We've seen 39 years in the wilderness pass. And so now we're seeing the death of the last generation because only certain 
children of Israel are allowed to go into the promised land, namely Joshua and Caleb, and we expected Moses. But now we find out, starting in verse two, that Moses is now precluded from entering. Now, why? Look what it says, verse two. Now there was no water for the congregation, and so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron, and the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up of the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. Now, once again, we have the children of Israel complaining, right? And if you've been traveling with us since they left Egypt, haven't we heard this complaint before? Yeah, a lot of times, right? Like, they got a one-string guitar of complaints. Now, I was thinking about this as I was studying it this week. How many of us are doing the same thing as the children of Israel? You got one complaint, and you just ride it till the cows come home. Right? It's like, I've just decided that this makes me angry, and no matter what happens, I'm going to be angry about this thing, and there's going to be no love because I'm angry. You know why I say that? Because you know what the Bible says? Love doesn't keep what? Records of wrongs. How many of us hold one thing, and it's like we just drive that thing forever? It's kind of a challenging thing. The children of Israel have one complaint. And what the complaint is, is that why did Moses, why did you bring us out to starve us out into the wilderness? We don't have any water. Why are you doing this to us? Now, did Moses bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Not really. Who did it? The Lord did. They've survived for 40 years miraculously with manna from heaven. And why aren't they in the promised land? Because of their own decisions. God wanted them to go take it. They didn't want to go. And now they're like, Moses, this is all your fault. I'm learning more and more each day that complaining is completely illogical. But I'm really good at it. And so are most of us. Which means that we're really good at being illogical. Don't complain about the same thing over and over and over again. It's like you get into a rhythm of it. You just know. Like I, when my parents, when they were growing up, my parents had one argument that they had every single day almost my entire life. Same argument. It was about the exact same thing, and it went on for my entire life until my mom passed away. And I've always thought about that. I'm like, wow, they always had the exact same. It didn't matter what they were arguing about, one thing. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, how am I like that? I decide I have this one thing, and I'm going to drive that thing because it's easy to not grow. It's easy to make a decision. See, I believe that there's some of you right now, something's gone on in your life and you have let that thing be the defining principle of your life. And no matter what goes on, it's that thing, that happened, that person. And you feel justified to do it, but all it's doing is holding you back from being the person and entering into the things that God ordained for you. The children of Israel, they're complaining about the exact same thing for 40 years. They have one complaint. And it's not even really Moses' fault. But what's interesting at this point is they're upset. Why are we out here? You brought, there's no water. Moses didn't do anything. Moses was just the messenger. God did everything. But notice in verse six, look at what happens. 
So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. That's how you fix your complaining heart right there. Leave the assembly of the people, go to the presence of God, and fall upon your face, which literally means to humble yourself before the Lord. Listen, that's where our complaints get fixed, in the presence of the Almighty God, with our hearts bowed down before him to say, God, you know I'm a complainer. I'm a compulsive complainer. I got a good laundry list. I can rattle that thing off so fast. I can even do it in iambic pentameter so that I sound Shakespearean. But Lord, that was a nice little flourish, wasn't it? I just, I don't know what happened with that. Anyway, but stop complaining and say, God, I'm going to leave the people who get the blessing of hearing my complaints and I'm going to get into your presence and I'm going to get on the knees of my heart and I'm going to humble myself in the sight of the Lord that you might lift us up. Because you know what's amazing when you get into the presence of God and out of the very real things that bother you about your life, you see everything from a different vantage point. Oftentimes in the midst of a life that doesn't work the way that we think it ought to, we don't see things from God's vantage point, what God sees, what God is doing. We're so focused on where we find ourselves that we forget that just like someone traveling through the woods where it's dark and it's dense, but there's literally something on the other side, but you have to get up on top of it to look down to be able to see. And God wants to change our perspective. How many of us are not getting into the presence of God to let God change our vision? We're stuck with our vision. When God's like, I want to give you a fresh vision. I want to show you things that you didn't understand. What a great way to fix complaints. Get into the presence of God. Get on your face before the Lord. And notice what the Lord does in verse 7. The Lord says to Moses, take your rod, you and your brother Aaron, verse 8, and gather the congregation together and speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So the Lord, he's gracious. And he says, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to take your rod with you. And I want you to speak to the rock. And water is going to come out. Now, if you were back with us many moons ago, when we studied Exodus chapter 17, we have a similar situation where they were without water and God told Moses, listen, I want you to take your rod and I want you to strike the rock and water's going to come out to it. But now God's command is different. He says, I want you to speak to the rock and the water's going to come out of it. But what's interesting is Moses has had enough. You might say, listen, after 40 years of complaining, I would have snapped a long time earlier. But Moses, now he's done. Because look what it says in verse 9. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together, verse 10, before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. Must we bring forth water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and he struck the rock twice with rod. And water came out abundantly. Moses snapped. Moses started yelling at the people. Hear now, you, did God tell him to say, hear now, you rebels? 
No, that was not the voice of God. That was the voice of Moses' pent-up frustration. And then he is so angry that he says, must we bring forth water out of this rock for you? Now, is Moses bringing anything out of anything? No. But when you're angry, you say dumb stuff. Everybody knows that, right? Don't try it at home. When you're angry, you say dumb stuff. And listen, God takes what Moses does very seriously because Moses was the mediator for God with the people. God takes this seriously. So I want to show you God's response. And then I'm going to explain to you why this is so important. Look at what happens. Verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and says, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring the assembly into the land which I have given you. He said, you did not believe me. So it was a faith issue to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. He said, look, not only did you not trust me, but you did not lift up my name and who I am in reverence before the people. He's saying, you were a bad witness, Moses. You did not well represent me. And he says, because of that, you are not gonna be able to bring this assembly into the land. And then in verse 13, you kind of get this close out where it says, this was the water of Mirabah because the children of Israel contended with the Lord and he was hallowed among them. And that word Mirabah literally means the waters of contention. They renamed the place the waters of contention. Why? Because the children of Israel contended with the Lord there, but his name was still hallowed. Now, what's all this about? Because you might say like, okay, so God told Moses to speak to the rock and he struck the rock and now he's punished. Why is this so important? Let me explain to you why. And there's a very specific reason. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four, we learn that that rock that followed the children of Israel in the wilderness was who? Was Christ, was Jesus. Now, think of the picture. Exodus chapter 17. We need water. Okay. You need to take your rod, that walking stick of wood, you need to strike the rock and water comes forth. Think of the picture. Jesus is the rock. In the Bible, wood is always a picture of what? The cross. Water in the Bible is always a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. You take the rock, Jesus, he gets crucified. What comes forth? The Holy Spirit. Perfect picture, right? The second time they need water, God says, look, I want you to bring the rock. I want you to bring your rod, but I want you to speak to the rock. But what does Moses do? He gets man, he hits the rock twice. What did Moses do wrong? If Jesus has already died and risen again, and God has issued forth his spirit, Jesus doesn't need to be crucified again for us to give his spirit. We just need to ask. Moses mangled God's picture. Jesus is Wandering in the wilderness doesn't come without its difficulties, as Pastor Daniel reminded us today. The Israelites continued to complain, and Moses, too, disobeyed God. 
Sadly, his misrepresentation of God's message to the Israelites resulted in a devastating consequence. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Thanks for that information, Tracy. I know listeners are going to be blessed by Pastor Daniel's new book. We'd love to put a copy of this book into your hands for all of the listeners who support Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more. We'll send you a copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives as a way to say thank you. Your generous support helps us continue what we're doing and expand. You can get your copy of Honestly Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives when you visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share with us some more sad events the Israelites encountered on their journey through the wilderness. These events, however, came with lessons that we can still learn from today. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series, Wilderness. Until then, may God bless. 